This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to create design that is profitable. I am Alan from Pixel Partners HQ, and here is my co-host, Greg from Studio on Design. How are you, mate? I'm great, mate. How are you doing today, Al? Oh, mate, look, you know what? I've got a skip in my step. I've, I've, had, a, I've had the flu for a few weeks. I, uh, my, my poor little son had appendicitis, so we spent a few nights, sleepless nights in the hospital. But we're all running at 100%, 110% today. So I'm excited to be on this, this episode. But before we get into our guest, what have you been up to? Actually, we're just looking for swimming pools at the moment, which is something that's pretty exciting, actually. I mean, you know, we're building a new house and... We're trying to create a lifestyle, you know, that we, because our daughter's 11 and we want to create an environment when she's a teenager that she always wants to be home and bring her friends over. So we're trying to create a lifestyle place. I think a pool's kind of a good part of that, a big part of that anyway. And you're probably thinking in Melbourne, really, (laughs) compared to Sydney, but we do have a lot of good weather. And and these days, you know, if you get some pool heating, solar heating, you can can have it quite warm. But yeah, so I'm just looking at pools this week, buddy. Mate, you know what? We're halfway through that process and we did exactly the same thing. You know, it was a lifestyle thing. It was not just, I guess, for the kids, but for the entire family. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a break away from work for my wife. It's a, it's something that I can do in my downtime and it's a nice family spot. And you know what? I've got friends that have got a pool and we are now well and truly coming into winter and they've only just stopped swimming because they yeah. have pool heating, you know? Yeah. It makes a big difference. But, oh, it uh, does, yeah. My, Cool. And you know what? This is kind of uh, leads into our guest that you're about to, to get in here. Yeah. But, you know, he, uh, it, it, I'm not going to say who it is, but it's all about creating a lifestyle in your business, but using technology to, to help you do that. So yeah, you do you want to introduce him? Yep, let's get him in. So today we have a very special guest, Peter Moriarty, and we're going to be talking about G Suite for small business. So Peter runs a fast growth business, itgenius.com.au, where Peter and his team help small business owners migrate to G Suite, which essentially makes life easier for people to run their businesses remotely. Peter was named one of Australia's top 10 entrepreneurs under 30. Peter is a public speaker, and if you've ever seen Peter speak on stage about Google, you will love his passion for helping more businesses understand the benefits of G Suite, all because Peter loves to give back. He recently rode in a 500k bike ride across Thailand for a charity called handsgroup.org.au that helps Thai children and their communities. So first of all, welcome Peter Moriarty. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Great to be here. Awesome, mate. So, Pete, the big question is, are you still under 30, mate? <laughs> Just. <laughs> I missed out on the 30 under 30 list this year. I, I like to think they're keeping me keeping me humble by bumping me on the last year I was eligible. But, uh, <laughs> no, next year I'll have to strive for the 40 under 40, I guess. I <laughs> love it. Cool. Well, Don't worry. 40 is the new 30, Peter. You'll be right. I'm exactly. sure it is. <laughs> you bet, mate. Uh, <laughs> so, before we discuss uh, G Suite, so on a personal note, Pete, I've noticed that you are looking super fit lately, buddy. And to me, it seems like you 
been through a massive transformation. So I'd love it if you would, you know, sort of talk a little bit about that. And was it the Thailand bike ride that was such an amazing experience that got you hooked or what motivated you to make this, you know, this transformation? Oh, thanks. Thanks for asking, Greg. Look, I've, I have had quite a transformation. I've lost 30 kilos in six months, wow. which is a little more than a kilo a week, uh, which is, uh, you know, which sounds pretty crazy, but, you know, I'm not doing anything unhealthy. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I did pick up and and kept up with the cycling after the thailand ride and i've never look honestly i've never been one for running or jogging never really found it that interesting i hate going to the gym <laughs> uh, it just doesn't do it for me but i got on the bike and i just found both a, a combination of you know being able to listen to some podcasts doing something where i was 100 percent conscious and present you know then having i guess a bit of time to explore the environments that I'm in, I just really fell in love with the cycling. So uh, yeah, look, that that was like, I guess, kind of part of it. And around about the same time last year, I was doing a couple of different things. I was doing some spiritual work. I was doing some psychotherapy work. I was doing some health and nutrition research. And I came across keto nutrition, ketogenic nutrition, uh, which is cutting out pretty much all sugar and all carbs. And and I've always been gluten intolerant, or at least for the last kind of four or five years. So that really helped me to boost my nutrition and what I was eating. And then uh, a natural kind of follow on from that is to start a little bit of intermittent fasting. So the, the combination of doing some work on myself mentally and, and then really working on the nutrition. Honestly, exercise wise, I didn't change anything. I'm only out on the bike maybe once a week if I'm lucky. But it was it was mostly just the, the nutrition, you know, the mindset I would say is the number one and then just being a bit more conscious about what I was putting into my body and, and at what times. I've got to say, I've known you for a lot of years, Peter, and, and although you are looking fantastic, I am a little disappointed that you're on two wheels without an engine these <laughs> days. <laughs> I'm, uh, don't worry, I've still got the the, the the toys with engines, plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do you got these days? What's the what's the newest toy with an engine? I have many. I, I, I've got a problem where I don't sell them. I just keep buying more. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got to have our vices, right? Um, but look, the newest, funnest toy is a, it's a Japanese import. It's a Mitsubishi. It's called a Legnum, which is a 20-year-old sports wagon, twin turbo. It's all-wheel drive, and it's got a, a special, you know, rally art spec electronic diff and so basically it goes around corners really really fast and for a 20 year old car that costs less than five grand it's a hell of a lot of fun and i'm going to try and put it in the tasmanian targa so that's my my goal for the year is to kind of start prepping that car to throw it just in the in the cruisy class and in the touring class of the uh of the targa so that's that's one of my missions this year yeah, nice. And look, I, I was kind of joking around, but you know what? We've known each other uh, for, for a number of years now, and uh, I've watched this epic transformation in you and your business. And, you know, I think a lot of the those transitions that you've you've made to where you are today, you feed down to your customers. I mean, your business is about helping customers get more out of their, their IT and particularly using things like G Suite and, and Dialpad. And you today have the flexibility to run your business uh, remotely. I mean, you can go to Thailand and go on these rides and, and go to Tasmania and, and do these things. Can you sort of say, well, you know, what was the trigger for this transition for you before we start talking about the tools that you, well, I guess that you're an expert in and that you use in your everyday business, but why did you head in that direction and what's it done for you and your business? 
That's a good question, Al. I, I think I've always liked the idea of modeling. You know, I've, I've looked to people in my life that I like what they're doing with their life and I and I want to model from them. Not that I put them on a pedestal or, or you know, or, or idolize them in an unhealthy way, but I've, I've always looked to other people and thought, okay, well, what, who do I want to who do I want to build my life around? You know, what kind of energies, you know, what kind of uh, intentions do I want to have in my life? And one of those things that I've really liked from some of my mentors like Kerwin Ray, James Schramko, Dale Beaumont is the, the mix of having good, healthy, quality family time and personal time, as well as also having a very profitable, very successful business. I don't think those two have to be mutually exclusive. I don't think the, you know, the whole work-life balance thing exists. I can't switch my emails off for a month and go and climb Mount Everest. There are some businesses that allow you to do that, but I think there is, if you want to run a biz, big business, and by that I mean multiple seven-figure business, you know, the, there are certain responsibilities that you have to have as a CEO that you don't get to just switch off forever. But I do think that you can have really, really healthy amounts of that personal time and that life balance. But it takes a lot of work to get there. It takes it takes time to actually build that. And it takes, I guess, sacrifice and discipline around your strategy to build the business and put the right things in place and say no to the things that just are not going to work based on what your goals are. And that may be decisions around business model, that may be decisions around what kind of customers you take on, maybe decisions around how you actually deliver and in what way you deliver, you know, to make that a reality. But I, I really think that's, you know, that's one of the things I look at, who do I, who do I want to model and, and how do I want it to work? And the second thing for me is really, I see myself as a bit of a crash test dummy. You know, we come up with crazy ideas all the time and, you know, we see other people who have crazy ideas. And I've always been someone who's looked at the world and looked at situations and thought, you know, I'm a great problem solver. I've got it kind of like pulling things apart and putting them back together and working out how they tick. Now, I've always looked at things like business and said, oh, and I've always asked questions, you know, well, what if we did this differently? Why are things done the way they're done? Why does the rest of the industry do this? And I'm specifically talking about the IT industry here when it could be done a different way. And what's stopping me from doing it a different way? I was the kid in school who would break the rules and I was, you know, I was a troublemaker and I'd run around the playground too fast and I'd bash into people. And so I see myself a little bit a little bit as, as the same kind of person and the same kind of leader in our business to our clients in that I will try the really radical stuff. And if the really radical stuff works, then if that helps to inform our customers to change and move in a positive direction by just 10% or 20%, then that's a good thing. And an example of that would be, as you alluded to, I'm very, very lucky that, you know, the way that we've built the business means that it's got a very strong recurring revenue base. I've got the ability to travel and run the business from wherever I want. I've got the ability to be spontaneous in where and when I travel. Uh, I've got the, uh, you know, everybody in our team works from home and they're dotted in uh, all over the world, primarily in the Philippines. And all of those things may sound super crazy to someone who's right now running an office and has a small business server and has everyone coming to the same office every day and is driving to the office every day and is doing all their work in one place. But if we're kind of living this crazy, very much on the edge, super, super R&D type business incubator, then we can go and inform our customers and we can say, hey, okay, here's where you are right now. We know the road to we know the road to to, to space, to crazy land, but why don't we help you just move 10% or 20% that's going to help you get 10 or 20% more time or more freedom or more money. And that really gives us confidence when we're sharing with our customers when they say, oh, I don't know if I can work from home three days a week. And we say, well, 
I work from wherever I want seven days a week. So why don't you try working from home one day a week? I promise it's not going to be that bad. And then we'll work up to two and three days at some point in the future. Look, firstly, let me say, I hope you only apply your crash test dummy theory to your business, not your motorsports. <laughs> you know, when you started describing your journey, I can guarantee you that our listeners are sitting there going, yes, yes, that's why I went into business, to have that flexibility, to have that healthy balance. But unfortunately, technology today has actually, you know, if not done right, has made it a hindrance to have that that freedom. Like you say, people are tied to servers. They're, they're tied to desktop computers. They you know, have fixed phone lines. And in today's day and age, it's insane. And I think that... Uh, you said being able to say no to the things you don't want. And I, and I think that includes your technology. You know, I think a lot of business owners are either scared to change, don't know what to change to, or just accepting of, you know, the status quo. So, you know, like I'm not a fan of of Microsoft Outlook, but it, it blows me away how many businesses are still tied to a single desktop email system. You know, and even though Microsoft has cloud-based systems today, right? I'm blown away by the, the the rigid nature of some of these systems compared to, say, G Suite. And I'm a huge... I mean, Peter, you were one of my inspirations to move to Gmail and, and the business version of Gmail many, many years ago when I did. And you also got me onto Dialpad. And, you know, I've now migrated our file storage to G Suite. And we use things like Google File Stream, all these bits of technology that you've gone and, and tested before me. Right. And then I've, I've, kept an eye on what you're doing and, and I'm modeling exactly like you do with your mentors. I model what you're doing and then I, I apply it in, in my business. So I guess that was a long-winded way to say, you know, our listeners are desperate for what you've achieved. I think the first place to start is is technology leadership inside a business. And this is one of the big challenges that I have with IT consultants in general. And you know, if you want, if you, to put our business in a bucket, we're we're an IT consulting business. That's that's what we do. Oh, I'm sorry, Peter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so look, the big thing for us is really taking the control and the power out of the the, the consultants' hands, who you know, for the most part, are just telling business owners what to do, and business owners are blindly following them, and and putting that putting that control and putting that that empowerment. In the hands of the business owner. My my dad's a baby boomer. He's a carpenter builder. He grew up in high school and he had you know slate and chalk literally. And uh, I don't I don't know if he had the little um what are those little counting tools with the things that slide across them? Abacus. The, the abacus. Abacus. I don't think he had the abacus, but he definitely had <laughs> slate and chalk. <laughs> you know, so that's that's the generation of our customers. They've gone, they've worked in their industry, then they've started a business, but they've been in that business 10 or 15 years. And now they're going, hey, how do I, you know, how do I work this technology thing? The point is, they didn't grow up with technology. They're not Gen Y. And so it's not natural and native to them. Now, for most business owners, technology is that black box in the corner that they just keep throwing cash at that they don't completely understand. And so our mission is all about, well, how do we empower those business owners to really learn the basics of, okay, what is this technology thing that I'm dealing with? My emails, my file storage, my phone system, right? And you don't have to know what the IP addresses are and what what ports to use or any of that kind of junk. What you do need to know is, well, what's the right choice for my business and and what what technology systems are going to make my business 
flowing nicely and productive and make my teams happy with the technology that they're using. And personally, for me, you know, I really like the idea of minimalism. How can we make it simple and easy and maybe a little bit fun? You know, that's that's the googly ways to make it fun. But most importantly, how do we make it simple and easy and not scary? And if we can shift one thing for each of our customers, it's shifting our customers from being in the passenger seat with some IT guy driving with, you know, your checkbook in his hand. If we can switch that to the business owner being in the driver's seat and them at least understanding what they're buying, what tools they're using and how they can help the business, that's really the number one thing. Sure, the technology is wonderful and awesome and that and that helps along the way on a very practical level. But the, the big mission for us is really empowering the business owner to make their decisions because as a business owner, you need to know enough about marketing to make decisions in marketing your business. You need to know enough about finance to at least look over a P&L and work out what's going on there. But many business owners wouldn't know a thing about technology and they're just too scared of it and we want to change that. That is awesome, Pete. And really, I mean, you went... You, you had an office at one stage. It wasn't that long ago, was it? And I guess using G Suite and all these all this technology stack around uh, Google, essentially, you've managed to go remote. And, you know, you're a leading example of that. And you've been the guinea pig and you obviously help other businesses get there as well. So just for the benefit of the listener, can you just sort of, you know, in sort of layman's terms, explain what G Suite is and, you know, what, what sort of apps are in it? And, and I guess why a small business should be using it? Yeah, sure thing. To clarify, we still do have an office presence in Sydney. The main reason for us to go to a fully remote delivery team actually was because we had ambitions to scale and service all of Australia and New Zealand, and then eventually, you know, the rest of kind of APAC and and we're still working on our, our, our world domination. We just found that, you know, having too many staff just in one office in one city was really holding us back from being able to deliver. And so for the last four or five years, I would say, we've been delivering right across Australia and we have some international clients as well. And that's, you know, all working really nicely for us. Now, the Google suite, which is part of the reason that we're able to do this, is uh, it's kind of like the building blocks for a business. It's the it's the unsexy stuff. Google's suite of tools is a little bit like Microsoft's suite of tools. It, it helps you do the basics. It has emails, file storage, calendar, communication between you and your team. And then Google's got a real big focus on collaboration, uh, especially on how geographically distributed teams or employees can get work done really well together. And what I love about Google and, and where I think Google really stands out when compared to something like the Microsoft ecosystem is number one, it's simple. It's super, super, super simple. There are not many moving parts it's, it's really easy to use for newbies. And also, you know, for anyone who's used Gmail before, sure, you may not like the interface or, you know, if you've never really been trained on it, you may not be that used to it. Most people have actually used it. Most people have got a Gmail address, especially if you are employing, and I'm talking to the business owners here, if you're employing Gen X and Gen Y staff, they're all going to absolutely love it because they probably went through university using Google Suite. They're probably in their personal lives using Gmail and Docs and Drive and everything else. Anyone who owns an Android phone is going to have all of the Google tools kind of baked into there. And so that ecosystem, when compared to Microsoft, I like to talk about them like Tesla versus a standard gasoline car. And, you know, with a Tesla, you've got a battery, you've got a couple, you've got four wheels, you've got brake pads, and there aren't really that many other moving parts in the vehicle. There's just not that many components that make it work. And so it's very, very simple. Whereas with a regular car, you've got injectors, you've got a fuel system, you've got the electronic system that has to go to the ignition coils and, and, and everything else. And then you've got, uh, you know, water and cooling systems and oil and consumables and all these bits and pieces. Literally, the only consumable on a uh, Tesla is the brake pads uh, and tires, obviously. 
So when you compare these two systems, Google is just that much simpler. And that's because Google runs everything in the web. They don't have desktop apps. They don't have to support 10 different operating systems in different versions and Mac and PC and online and everything. Whereas Microsoft, when they roll out a new update to Outlook, it has to work with Mac. It has to work with Windows 10. It has to work with Windows 9. It has to work with Windows 6. It has to work with Vista. It has to work with the mobile. It has to work. Oh, and by the way, they've got a, a half-baked online version of Outlook <laughs> as well. Like they're developing, their, their development workload is basically 10 times the amount that Google has because Google says one app in the browser and that's it. And it works better in Chrome. It doesn't really work that well in in IE or, or, or Mozilla. And the, that beautiful, beautiful simplicity and minimalism means that they can just focus on improving the product. They don't have to dick around with doing everything 10 times. They can just focus on improving the product. And they don't have an 18 month release cycle. They have a six week release cycle. So there are major updates that are pushed down to Chrome and the G Suite ecosystem every six weeks because it's just on a rolling basis and every single person is using the same version. And that, that agility really separates the two. You know, let's let's go back three years, five years, feature for feature, Google were kind of like still playing a little bit of catch up with the Microsoft world. Uh, but now that Google are introducing things like artificial intelligence and machine learning, wouldn't be a podcast in 2018 without dropping those two words in. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of these cool features are now coming into the Google ecosystem and they are just, again, years and years ahead of the development of someone like Microsoft. That was probably the best description I've ever heard of G Suite. Th thank you, Peter. And, 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 and you know, I, I think for, for business owners, one thing that you said that I think you probably understated is remembering that the people coming into the workforce today are digital natives and more than digital natives, they're actually G Suite natives. So, uh, I mean, am I right in understanding, Peter, that, that Google pretty much gives this stuff to schools and students? They do. So any tertiary education institution gets it for free. Not every single school is using it because Microsoft also give heavy discounts on uh, on their ecosystem. However, universities like Monash University, uh, Macquarie University in Sydney, uh, I don't know many of the um, universities in Australia off by hand, but a bunch of them are actually using G Suite. And But you can absolutely guarantee, I mean, there's more than a billion users on Gmail uh, itself across the world. You can absolutely guarantee that every single person under the age of 35 in Australia will have a Gmail address. That's a given. Yeah. And, and what here's an interesting experience I had. I actually said to one of my team, hey, can you just put it in an Excel for me? And the team member actually came back to me and said, a what? I said Microsoft Excel, <laughs> right? And they, but but you've got to understand this person had been using G Suite there in since they were at school, so they've they've never seen a Microsoft application, right? And they have no need for it because it's all encompassing within within G Suite. So so I just wanted to plant that seed that as much as this is scary for probably my generation and up because we grew up with Microsoft and other half-baked applications that Apple made and a few other companies made, this is the new norm, right? So this is what everybody is is accustomed to coming into the workforce. And even though it might be a little scary for me to deploy this, my team are well-versed in, in, in the applications. And, I, you know, you described it as extremely simple. I, I love the simplicity of it, but I also love how dynamic it is. Google is just constantly adding 
things into their suite you know you know we have things like google keep you know i can integrate things like lucid charts into my g suite there's just all these wonderful tools that that i can use as a business owner and very rapidly deploy to my whole team i don't need to sit there and go all right everybody we're going to send you a disk or a download link you've got to install it you've got to do this you've got to i just turn it on and everybody has access to it Right. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is what is new and exciting in 2018 in this mystical box that is G Suite? What, what things should people be aware of that might excite them as business owners? Well, but before we jump into the new and uh, the new and awesome, I just want to uh, want to give some comfort to your listeners, and and that is that uh, my philosophy has has never been you know you must you must use this application because it's the uh, you know because it's the best or because it's the newest thing. Our philosophy has always been use the right tool for the job. Um, but what we're finding with Google, you know, specifically with things like you know AI and machine learning, and I'll, I'll talk about that kind of stuff in a second. That really helps you be so much more productive in the Google ecosystem. Primarily, Google's been seen as kind of like a small business tool. It's like, you know, not very serious for big business or for serious business. But then we've had, you know, we've seen organizations like Woolworths move across 300,000 employees, every store worker, every person in head office, right across to the Google ecosystem, got rid of Microsoft completely in the company. Uh, they don't even use Office anymore. Every, everything is done in Google. Then you've got businesses like, I mean, Dick Smith were using it. The, uh, that, that kind of moved when they uh, when they got switched over to Kogan. But, you know, the obvious businesses like, uh, Virgin and Kogan, the super progressive ones, they've all moved across. Fairfax and News Corp have uh, now both on G Suite. They've moved across. And uh, there was another one, uh, one more that I'd like to mention that has just slipped. Oh, yeah, that's right. PwC have moved across as well. Not the whole organization, but a large part of their consulting arm have moved across to Google. So when these when these very large and, you know, what we would be assumed would be, you know, highly ingrained you know, uh, organizations are moving across, then, um, you know, we really, we really have to start paying attention to something like this. Well, it's a new generation of people in their IT departments going, why are we using this, you know, old school desktop software when we can empower our whole organization to have, I mean, I think the one thing is I can have access to everything anywhere, you know, I've got a great story. I, I flew to Adelaide to present at a conference and uh, and I landed and I realized that I'd left my laptop at home. <laughs> so, um, you know, as, as you do. Uh, and and so I, I walked into the Apple store. Apple have a very generous 14 day, no questions asked return policy. I, I bought, a, uh, bought a brand new MacBook Pro. And when, you know, I signed in, all my stuff was there. Uh, you know, all my documents were obviously in Google Drive. So my presentation was there, all good to go. Went and presented, did the gig. And then at the end of the day, went and returned the laptop and then flew back to Sydney. So just just not having to worry about if your laptop, you know, gets run over by a car or stolen or you spill a glass of wine on it, all three of those things I have done. Then, you know, being able to have access to all of your work and not having to worry about is it backed up or when was the last time I plugged in that USB thumb drive and ran a backup of my stuff? Yeah, exactly. And the key there is that, you know, not only can you access, you know, your your stuff remotely from anywhere in the world, but you can collaborate. And you mentioned collaboration before. So your whole team has access to whatever you want them to have access to. And the beauty of it, and, and the thing that I was amazed about when I first started using G Suite years ago with Docs, et cetera, is that multiple people can be working on the same document at the same time and you can see what the other person's doing. It's just incredible. It's it's quite amazing and you know, while that's 
it's fantastic internally. I mean, we have one big project tracker, for example. We, we move about 200 companies per year across to Google from Microsoft, from cPanel, from Mac server, from Zimbra, from wherever someone's company mail is right now. We'll help migrate their data, hold their hands through the process, train them, blah, 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 and everything. So we do about 200 or so of those projects a year. And all of that data, all that project data is in one big spreadsheet. What dates we hit certain project milestones, what's the status of a project, who's the project manager, all of those things. And so on any day, our project team, which is about seven or eight people, they are all going to be in that sheet at the same time, changing their own cells, working on their own little bit. And it just removes the need to ever yeah. work on a document and wait for it to synchronize in Dropbox or attach it to an email and send it. And that's brilliant internally, but where that gets really powerful is externally. So if you were to share a spreadsheet with a supplier or with a customer or with a contractor, one of the things that we do is when we run a project, we have a spreadsheet with a list of all of the um, usernames and passwords of everyone's email accounts, the legacy email accounts that we're gonna go and import over into G Suite and we share that with the customer. So from day one, our customers learn how to collaborate with the Google document and we're working on that live. We jump on a phone call or we jump on a Google Hangout. We say, hey, here's the, you know, I've, I've sent you a link to your email. They don't even have to be a Google user to collaborate on a document, which is great. We just send them a link. They click that, customer opens it up, and then we can start working on that together. And, uh, you know, if you think about how are meetings usually done, how is work usually done? You have face-to-face -face meetings. You sit in meetings and everyone has their own set of notes, but you end up with five different sets of notes for the meeting. You know, video conferencing can be difficult if people have different kinds of technologies. Well, Google Hangouts works as long as you've got a Chrome browser and you just send a, a URL link. You know, it's as easy as using something like Zoom, even easier than, even easier than Skype to connect. You know, they're all very, very cool. Now, did you guys want me to get into the, the, the fun and exciting new stuff that Google has? Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about Dialpad. I mean, i got to say, listener, go to itgenius.com forward slash blog and check out some of Peter's reviews of the latest and greatest, you know, products on G Suite. And one of them, he's got these five killer features of Dialpad. It's just, it's awesome. I love Peter's passion in these videos as well. But yeah, check that out. And yeah, maybe just if you can, Pete, just talk a little bit about Dialpad and, and what are the benefits and like, how does it compare to things like Skype and Ring, Ring Central, for instance? Yeah, sure. So Dialpad is a phone system done for the cloud. So think about the traditional phone system, whether it's a VoIP system or, and you know, they're, they're, they're not really cloud-based phone system. VoIP's, VoIP is using the internet to make calls, but if you've still got a box sitting in a cupboard somewhere, then it's still a traditional phone system in my eyes. Uh, you know, we, we've got this, this server type box that's sitting in a room somewhere in your office. You've got desk phones sitting on desks. Uh, you know, you, you, you may have digital lines or actual physical copper cables coming into the office running things. And so the founder of Dialpad, Craig Walker, uh, he decided to reimagine that. Now, he's quite an interesting fellow. He actually started and launched a product called Dialpad in the 90s. So this is his second Dialpad, uh, but he sold that to Yahoo and that became Yahoo Voice. And then he exited there and he, and he, and he made another program called Grand Central. And Grand Central, his second startup, had this really cool feature where when you dialed a number, all of your devices would ring at the same time. So your computer would ring and your phone would ring. Uh, and if you had a, a like a physical phone as well, you could have that ring too. And wherever you answered it, that would kind of accept the call and the other phones would stop ringing. Now that Grand Central product got acquired by Google and became Google Voice. So he is literally the founder of Google Voice. Now he stayed with Google for a number of years. Google Voice never came to Australia, but it did that kind of ring one number, all your phones ring kind of trick for a consumer product and has been wildly, wildly popular in the States. 
Craig said, hey, I want to make this into a business phone system because business owners need this. They need to get rid of their business phone systems and do things in the cloud. Google said, no, we want to keep this as a consumer service. So Craig said, okay, see you later. And him and a couple of other guys left Google and founded Dialpad. Now, they were given $50, $60 million by a bunch of venture capitalists and not the small-time ones, Anderson Howitz, Google have invested and a bunch of other companies, SoftBank have invested. So these are proper, proper serious investors backing Dialpad now. And they have effectively created a phone system for the digital age. And they call it the modern worker. And the modern worker is someone who's not driving to an office and sitting in that office 40 hours a week with a desk phone on their desk. The modern worker is probably traveling around, not just for personal reasons, but for business reasons. The modern worker is probably going to be doing most of their work from a laptop and just maybe plugging into a screen when they're in the office. And so if they want to work from home for a day, they want to be able to you know, do their business phone calls as well. And what most of us have done in order to work around the way that we work is just take our mobiles everywhere. Mm. But there's a couple of problems with that. You know, Number one is that you end up with all of your customers having your mobile number, and that can really kind of mess with the boundaries of yeah. business a little bit. People are calling or texting you after hours or on weekends and just, you know, mixing up your business stuff with your personal stuff. I don't think it really gives you good separation, especially as a business owner. Employees don't want to get, receive business calls on their personal mobiles either. That's uh, that's another factor. But then if you want to travel overseas, you've got roaming, you've got call forwarding, you've got all these other problems as well. And then you still haven't solved the problem of your business phone system. When you're in the office, you're probably still spending five grand or 10 grand every couple of years on a business phone system. And then you're paying crazy call rates as well. So what that does is that effectively means that you kind of can't make great business communication calls when you're in the office and you kind of, you don't get, you know, the best of both worlds. You don't get great calls when you're out of the office either. And so Dialpad kind of fixes all those things. Uh, Yes, it is based on VoIP technology, but it's effectively an app. It's designed instead of being designed for desk phones. It's designed primarily to work on your computer, on your mobile. Yes, it does connect to desk phones as well. But the point of Dialpad is that there's no server software to install. There's no hardware to install in your office. And wherever you are in the world, as long as you have an internet connection, you can make calls. And so I happen to be here in the Philippines at the moment visiting some of my team. For me, I can just load up my mobile phone, whether I'm on a 4G connection or a Wi-Fi connection, open up the Dialpad app and make a call to a customer but the customer sees my O2 Sydney business number ringing. And it's not about hiding or masking where you are or being disingenuous. It's about having the flexibility to be wherever you need to be and have your customers have the brand experience of always seeing the same IT Genius number calling when they're calling and then being able to reach me as well. Anyone who calls my direct line will reach me anywhere that I am in the world. And what that means is for my team, they can all make calls and transfer calls to each other without having this crazy capital outlay of desk phones and you know if you've got more than one office it's a nightmare because you end up buying two different phone systems or if you acquire somebody else's business then you end up with their crappy phone system and the the internet goes down and your phones go down you know you have all these different problems with legacy systems which dialpad just kind of solves i converted to dialpad and and you know what you're talking about there peter which is the ability to use the home phone anywhere Right, uh, not home phone. Sorry, the the office phone from anywhere, regardless of what SIM card you've got in your phone. I mean, I just had a, a client who primarily uses their their mobile. Their mobile was lost, which means they lost the phone and the SIM card, and they couldn't get back on until they got a new SIM card and got it connected by the telco, which is insane. I mean, I you know the last time I was in Hawaii, 
I don't want to use my Australian SIM card because the call costs are expensive. So I put in a local US SIM card, but I can still use my dial pad. So it's a, it's a super powerful tool. I'm a massive fan of dial pad, but I'm also a massive fan of, of G Suite and Google Drive in particular. And they've just released new a new application called Google File Stream. Now, without going into the technical nitty gritty, can you just tell our listener how something like Google File Stream can actually completely change the landscape of how they store and use files? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, everyone would be familiar with Dropbox. Dropbox were really, you know, first out the gate to get a very consumerized and easy to use syncing experience between a folder that's sitting on your computer and the cloud. And, you know, you can then share folders and have it on multiple computers and all of those cool things. They did it great. Google came along with Google Drive and they effectively replicated every feature of Dropbox. So if you're on Dropbox and you're using G Suite or if you're on Dropbox and you're considering, uh, you know, making the switch to the Google ecosystem, Google Drive does absolutely everything that Dropbox does. And that, you know, was all great. That's that's cool, you know, great products, have all your files in the cloud. If you're currently using a NAS drive or a small business server or something and you've got a bunch of data sitting locally in your office right now, then both of these are great to store everything on the cloud and then have it accessible on your mobile device and anywhere else you need it. However, for some customers, that could be a little bit of a problem. And that comes down to the state of the internet in Australia. And that is that many businesses don't have a fiber internet connection yet. And not everyone's going to get a fiber internet connection all the way to their office. Um, Some people are going to be using different variations of high-speed internet to come into their office. Secondly, some businesses have a lot of data. So particularly if you're a design business or an agency of some sort, you're probably going to have a lot of data, artwork files, video files, Photoshop files, all kinds of things. We know it well because we've worked with many agencies in the industry. The problem there is that if you were to try and throw 100 gigabytes or half a terabyte or a terabyte of data at Dropbox or Google Drive and it tries to sync and go up and down, number one, your internet connection in your office is just not going to be able to handle that much data going up and down. And number two, let's say you have 100 gigabytes of data sitting in something like Dropbox or Google Drive, then if you install Dropbox or Google Drive on your staff computers in the office, that's going to try and download 100 gigabytes of stuff to each person's computer. So what Google and Dropbox allowed us to do is do some kind of clever stuff with selective sync. And that is choosing to synchronize only certain folders and kind of getting a bit tricky, you know, with how much data we want to synchronize from the cloud down to the local desktop. And that's useful to an extent, but it can get a bit clunky. And that is that, I mean, we've got over a thousand customers, active customers that, that we're working with right now. And so we know small businesses and we know how they operate. If you've got three people in your office, great. You can probably see who's doing what. You can set up each person's computer and the business owner doesn't mind playing IT guy. But when you've got five, 10, 15 or 20 or more employees, things just get out of control very, very, very quickly. And you don't have, I mean, number one, you don't have time to be playing the IT person. But number two, it just turns into a bit of a mess to try and manage things right across the company as a whole. So Google Filestream solves a number of those problems in one hit, which is really nice. When you install Google Filestream on your computer, it connects to the cloud and everything that's sitting in Google Drive in the cloud. So if you've got that 100 gigabytes of data sitting in Google Drive on the cloud, Google Filestream will show you all of that data as if it's on your computer, but it doesn't actually live there. It just kind of gives you a window into the online version of all of your files. And only when 
you double click on an individual file to access it, that file, does it then download the file in the background and open up the file for you. Now, what that means is that you're not going to take up 100 gigabytes worth of space on your computer with each one of those files. And it's I like to think it's idiot proof. It's, it's completely dummy proof. What it means is that your staff, they'll just, they'll, they'll think they have access to the whole Google Drive, no matter how much data you've got. We've got three terabytes of junk in ours, 4K studio videos, drone footage, all kinds of stuff sitting in our Google Drive, right? Three terabytes of stuff. But when I'm looking at my computer and my local, you know, my Mac file explorer or my Windows file explorer, I can see the whole drive and only what I click on and download is it going to actually download to my machine. And what I love about that is it means that anyone can use Google Drive without having to worry about which folders do I sync or am I going to flog my internet connection? And uh, most importantly, you don't have to run around to everybody's computer setting up which folders are going to be synchronizing and which ones aren't. And, and let me say to having tested Google File Stream, I, I was a little skeptical, but you know, as a business, we have 10 terabytes of data, you, you know, and now I can actually have File Stream on my laptop that I take traveling with me. It, it's you know, it, it does give me a gateway to a lot more information than than I've ever been able to to use on that laptop. And and also, to my understanding, is is that and knowing the way Google operates, is they're starting to build smarts into into uh, file stream. So it starts to learn what files you commonly use, and it knows to keep that file on hand rather than having to download it every time. So there's a level of caching where it basically keeps some of your, intelligently keeps some of your files available offline. I should also mention that if you want to designate a certain folder that is always available offline, you just right click and you say, keep this one available offline. And then you can choose certain folders that it will just keep synchronized. Yeah, and I was a big advocate of Dropbox in the early days, but I think Dropbox might have lost sight of what their their purpose is, which is easy access to your to your files. You know, they they've come up with all these other clever things that they're doing with Dropbox Paper and things like that. But Google has now just turned around and and, and literally thrown thrown down the gloves and said, "Hey, there's a better way." You know, yes, the way we used to be doing it's great, but yeah, what? And I think watch this space if you're not already using it you know, you should start thinking about at least installing it, you know, install it, test it, use it uh, at a small capacity. Yeah, here's, here's the interesting thing about Google. I mean, as a, as a funny side note, Microsoft tried to do this intelligent offline syncing thing a couple of years ago, and they bungled it up and they had to roll it back. <laughs> so they, they took it back out of SkyDrive or OneDrive or whatever it was called at the time. Google have really, really nailed it. They've done a great job. I was also skeptical because I saw what happened with Microsoft and I knew that it wasn't that good. And I mean, Microsoft had, you know, if you tried to synchronize more than 10,000 files, it would die and all kinds of silly things. But FileStream have really nailed it. The thing about Google is they, they implement quickly. They move really quickly. At times, they will release a product that we will call half-baked <laughs> in that it's missing a few you know key features, but Google just want to get it out the door. And they're a very, very agile company. Crazy for a company as big as they are, but they are still very agile in the way that they develop products. But what I really love about Google, I mean, look, you've got to look at these things like an, like an ecosystem. You may say that, well, Dropbox has this one or two things that you can do in Dropbox that I can't do in Drive, so I, I must have Dropbox. Or, uh, you know, Skype has one or two things that Hangouts doesn't have, so I must use that. But when you really start to think about these business tools as ecosystems, and Microsoft have their ecosystem, we're not saying, you know, that Google's the choice for absolutely everyone. For some businesses, they may choose the Microsoft ecosystem. But the Google ecosystem, you know, if you're really open to committing to it, 
you know, using Hangouts for, um, you know, for your meetings, using Google Drive for your, for your Drive stuff, particularly as you grow and scale a business, it just reduces your operational overhead. And by that, I mean that, you know, more operational efficiency and more operational flow, I like to call it, is when your team are using one login for everything. When you add a new staff member, you give them one, you know, you give them one email address and then bang, they've, they've got access to everything that they need to. We recently moved from Slack over to Hangouts Chat, which is Google's effectively ripoff of Slack. And like Google Drive was to Dropbox in the early days, it's got 80% of the features, not every single one. But if you look at something and say, hey, you know what, this is 80% of the way there. I, I, I can get rid of one extra login for my team. Uh, I can get rid of one additional cost in the business. And there's one additional potential for security breaches. Uh, there's one less thing I have to train new employees on, then why wouldn't you? And that, that simplicity and that minimalism, I, I think, I think that's really been the key to scaling. We touched earlier on saying no to the right things. I think that's that's broader than just technology decisions. I think that's in, in many decisions in your business. It's knowing uh, what to avoid, knowing what to say no to, that gives you the, the clarity to then make the right decisions in where you should be investing your time. It's a really good point, Pete. And look, we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon, but I just wanted to touch on um, AI, which you spoke about before. And I guess if you do have one login for this, you know, the, the entire ecosystem inside G Suite, like how does G Suite use AI to sort of tie them all together and get a, a more efficient user experience? Look, there's really, really cool stuff happening in Google Drive, particularly. For example, when I log into my Google Drive, it'll show me across the top. It'll it'll say like, here's a document that you op often open on Wednesdays. Uh, you know, which is when we do our all hands. It's it's the presentation for the uh, for the all hands meeting that we update every week. <laughs> it'll it'll say, hey, here's here's a document that we think uh, because you opened it last week, you might want to you might want to do a little bit more work on it. So that's kind of cool. In Gmail, there's now automatic AI-based responses. So uh, if you're using Gmail on your mobile phone, you may have noticed them because they popped up there first. Well, they're now coming into the desktop product as well. But basically, it's like an automatically formatted quick response. If someone sends you an email and say, hi, I've got an approval for you. Is this approved or would you like, uh, or would you like to see more work done? Google will give you two buttons down the bottom. One says approved. One says, uh, no, this, this requires some more work. And when you click that button, it will actually pop the text in a reply to the email. And then you can, if you want, you can just hit send. Uh, you know, if it's got your signature down the bottom there, then you're good to go. There, there are two things in, in Drive and Gmail, but my favorite would probably be in Google Sheets. And I was working on a budget the other day for the upcoming financial year. And I was, um, I was manually repeating a formula because it was a bit of a tricky formula and I had to do it 12 times, one for, uh, for each month of the year. And by the time I got to the third time that I was about to enter that formula, Google had used its machine learning to say, hey, Pete, we, know, we can see what you're doing here. Would you like us to just repeat that, uh, repeat that formula over, over the rest of those cells? And you, just with one button, it, it allowed me to do that. What I really like about those things is it means that Google are just using their smarts for you to have less button clicks, less manual work, and less kind of fighting the machine and more, more you know, the technology really being on your side. I'm just in awe. I'm, I'm in awe. I want to see this. I, I actually don't use Gmail on my mobile, and I've got Yesware installed on my, Gmail, uh, on my Gmail, which lets me have template responses, but I love the idea of it coming up with those auto responses based on, on what we do. Hey, listen, you know, talking about AI and data and numbers and all this sort of stuff and spreadsheets, this is a great little segue just into probably what, what we'll wrap up on, which is, 
you know, you're a massive fan of, of monitoring your numbers across all areas of your business. And you alluded earlier about, you know, shared Google Sheets where everybody's working in and that's how you track your your workflow. But And, and you just told us about your, your, your budgeting. T- tell us a little bit about, you know, how you've taken this almost insane passion for your numbers in your business and how do you how do you implement that? And how do you use it today in your business? Sure, we we are fanatical about our numbers. The more that I've learned about business, and we've been running this business in its current form for about nine and a half years now. The more I've learned is that the more you focus on your financial literacy as a business owner and and your your financial operational discipline the more successful the business will be you know the more i focus more on that and i'm like i'm a sales background type dude right i've never been analytical or you know geeky with the numbers or even good with spreadsheets it's something that i've had to beat myself into submission on over many years <laughs> but uh, it's 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 become very very fortuitous for the business that we're now extremely numbers focused. One of the great one of the tools that we use in the Google ecosystem is Google Data Studio, which is effectively a dashboarding tool. You know, it's a bit difficult to to develop dashboards and widgets yourself, but we provide that as a service. So if you're already on G Suite, then um, as a member of our membership, we can actually help develop dashboards for you. But a couple of things that I like to really, really keep my eye on. Number one is our our customer happiness. So we use a tool called Customer Thermometer, and that lets customers not just at the end of a project or at the end of a a ticket on our help desk, but on every single email uh, that is sent in and out of the business, allows our customers to click a button, whether they're happy or whether they're sad, just give us some feedback on how we're doing. And so our rolling 90-day average of our customer happiness is the most important number of the business. We're a service business, and so that's absolutely our most important number. And alongside that, obviously things like, you know, our average days to deliver a project uh, on the delivery team, uh, on the sales team, things like um, are they how they're working towards their sales targets for the quarter, and then conversion rates on things like, you know, the membership, customer retention rates, you know, all, all of those important numbers that we should be tracking in the business. I've actually got one master dashboard, which we have all of those numbers in, in one place, and we can immediately see if there's an area of the business that needs attention. What's that dashboard? Like, what's the software for it? So Google Data Studio is what right. it's called. Right, okay. Is that part of G Suite? The free tool, uh, it's not technically under the G Suite umbrella, but it's, it, it's think of it like Google Analytics. It's a free tool that Google have put out there and they're building more and more of these tools. There's a tool called App Builder, which is Google's equivalent to Microsoft Access, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal. And you can use Google Script in there to do, and it's all completely cloud-based, of course, so you can do all kinds of fancy stuff in there, building your own, database and data repository. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're in the process with uh, Google Data Studio coming back to the statistics of pulling in our live zero data. So we're going to make that feature available to our members upcoming soon that, uh, uh, yeah, if you're an active member, then we'll be able to pull in live zero data into Google Data Studio and put it up there on a dashboard and build custom widgets. Very, very cool stuff. 
That's amazing, Pete. And yeah, I'd, I'd imagine for a lot of businesses, getting set up with G Suite can be quite daunting, you know, for new users. So, especially if they're stuck on old service and, and you know, the old ways of doing things. So, I, listener, I encourage you to check out Pete's business and you know, go to itgenius.com or .com.au, like I said at the start of the episode. Either way, it'll redirect to .com and book a free strategy call and see how they can help you. So, Pete, it's been amazing having you here, buddy. And uh, yeah, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, if they have any questions, yeah, what would you suggest they do? Thanks very much for the plug there, Greg. Uh, the easiest way to describe what we do is, I mean, look, Google makes it deceivingly, seem deceivingly easy that you can jump in and follow their wizards and change your DNS records yourself and, and get G Suite set up. But there's, I mean, for starters, their guides miss out on about 90 steps that we do mm-hmm. to get G Suite implemented. By the analogy, if I gave you some bricks and some mortar and some timber, you probably wouldn't want to build a house um, no matter what and how good the instructions were. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things that you probably shouldn't do yourself. Uh, leave it up to the experts to, to help guide you along the process. But our core business is helping companies make the switch from wherever they are right now to the Google ecosystem. And we've done that for um, nearly a thousand businesses. We've helped make that migration step. So migrating data, training staff, holding your hand throughout the process and making sure that that all goes smoothly. Head along to itgenius.com if you're not on G Suite and you're considering making the move, have a chat to our team who can help you out with demos and you know checking out your current environment, doing a bit of an audit, letting you know exactly how it's all gonna work. But then if you're already on G Suite and you're considering, well, for most people who are on G Suite and for anyone who we haven't implemented it for, they're probably feeling like, I'm not sure if I'm getting the most out of the platform. Uh, you know, there's tools like Google Data Studio, there's tools like the, you know, the AI tools, which aren't all necessarily switched on. There's there's Google File Stream, and we have a membership for customers that are on G Suite who want to get the most out of their investment and help accelerate the productivity of their whole team. Um, and that's called Cloud Concierge. And so that's starting at just 99 bucks a month. Uh, and that's for your whole company. That's not per person, that's per company. Cloud Concierge gets you access to regular webinars with our team, our whole online training library, um, access to me for strategy, and just helping you our, and unlimited support from our support team, of course. So we become your IT department and IT consultants as well. And so, yeah, wherever you are on your, your Google journey, get in touch and we'll be very happy to help out. And of course, if you're interested in Dialpad, Dialpad actually works with Office 365 as well. So if you're still on the dark side and you're interested <laughs> in a cloud-based phone system, then, uh, then you know, jump on our website too and check out Dialpad. That's a very cool product. Pete, thank you very much for joining us on The Real Magic today. I, I I really hate that you have to describe yourself as an IT consultant because that's just such a dirty term. Peter, <laughs> you and your team are so much more than that. You know, you're right. You, you make business and these things a little bit fun. Guys, listeners, go and watch a couple of Pete's videos because you'll see exactly what I mean. I mean, he's not your typical IT geek, although, <laughs> you know, he might say it, but he's not, and he makes this stuff really, really engaging and really, really easy. So, And he gives away tons of really great information without being a, a subscriber. So go and experience him first, and if you love what he does, I would highly recommend making that transition, and that's just my humble opinion. It's not a pitch for Peter or his business. I've just experienced how, how wonderful these, these tools are in liberating me in my business and being able to be more flexible. So Peter, thank you for joining us on The Real Magic. We'd love to tee you up again in the future because G Suite changes so quickly. I'm sure you'll be able to give us some more interesting things down the track. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Pete. 
Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.